0: Welcome to Replant Bootcamp, the boots on the ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart, here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. 180 has just launched two new products that we think could really help your church. Stick around to the end of the podcast to hear more. All right, so a special wives edition of the Replant Bootcamp. The unsung heroes of replanting. That's exactly right. Look, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, We're live from Houston, Texas. True. Live from Houston, Texas. We just done day one of a two-day or day and a half event with NAM called MI Replanter. Been really just a, a phenomenal gathering of people from not just Texas. There's people from all over the place here. Yeah. But we are graced with our better halves today. That's right. The the best part That's about you us. Are. So, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't get is that I don't know that the difficulties of ministry are harder on anyone than either the wives or the children. Now, both of our wives happen to have the unique perspective right. of being both pastors' children and pastors' wives. Like, just,
1: I mean, they're extra crowns in heaven. <laughs> yes. Did they, but did you both not want to marry a pastor? Yeah,
2: absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I think we found that out this week. I was. This is something I always say, which Jimbo probably hates, but there were four things I said in my life I never wanted to be. I said I never wanted to be a pastor's wife. I never wanted to be a teacher, which we now homeschool our children, and I teach at their co-op, and I was a preschool teacher before that. Um, I said I never wanted to be a missionary to Africa. We almost went through the IMB process for that. Yeah,
0: when we actually received our call from God for replanting, we were in the IMB Betting process mm. yeah. to be missionary staff and
2: then fourth i never wanted to marry anybody in the restaurant industry which that was his dream so uh, uh, he's literally everything i never wanted yeah
0: everything she never wanted man yeah. i mean got, uh, but what she needed <laughs> but, but sometimes you don't get what you want
2: you're the best tool in my <laughs> sanctification what you need. yeah and then when we were looking to transition he said you know babe he said we can move anywhere in the world where do you want to go and i said no There's lots of places that sound amazing. I really just don't want to move to Florida. That's the only place I don't want to move. So now, which, you know... So why? Why? What did you have
0: against Florida? Well,
2: we were living in New Orleans at the time, so, I mean, it was crazy. But every story you hear is about Florida man. So you hear, like, the guy... You know the guy who eats somebody's face off, or jumps into a pit of alligators. Have you not
0: heard the eats face like the, you don't yeah, know the bath salt that. story yeah. from yeah. years I ago? Back is. when people got high on bath gone salts. Man? Yeah. Oh, okay. just Google Florida Google. Man. Yeah. Okay. Actually, what you're supposed to do is Google Florida Man and your birthday, just to see what Florida Man stories have happened. Because there's okay. not there's a day several. of the
1: year, there's not Florida Man. I
2: think it's the heat. Perfect. I think it does something. So what did, saying, did you
1: see the Arkansas man that threatened to kill the cops when he broke into his ex-wife's house yes, and, and stole it, Dr. Dr. Pepper. Pepper? Yes.
2: Y'all people got a addiction to the Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I'm just saying it's a problem. Well, all that to say is like now my saying is, word please don't ever make me independently wealthy. I obviously oh, yeah, can't right. handle that. Stop. Don't give it to
0: me, Lord. Well, I want to tell you a couple stories that I've heard that aren't Florida man stories necessarily, but they are Florida pastor wives stories. They're not the pastor wives of this table. No. And so we'll change things to keep the innocent or guilty out of it, I guess. I have permission to share this one. This one is really bad. A guy going through a very difficult time in his church. Honestly, the church is kind of—leadership is kind of running him out of the church and trying to get him to quit. So a lady went to his wife's work. Uh, She works at a large retail store, and this lady who—the wife didn't even recognize her. So it's not like a regular member, regular attender, and made such a great disturbance— that this lady, the pastor's wife, was told she's on indefinite leave and cannot return to work.
2: Pretty much lost her job.
0: It is, it's heartbreaking because you, you wouldn't expect to see things like that. It's it's difficult on your children. It's difficult on your wife. Why do you think that? One of the things I've heard said is it's harder for the pastor's wife than maybe anybody. Why why would, Is that true? And if it is true, why is it?
3: I think it certainly can be true. I think that part of it is if you have disgruntled people attacking the pastor or pastors are kind of used to people griping at them and they just can kind of let it roll off. Maybe they're thicker skinned. We tend to take things a little more personally. I wouldn't, offensive might not be the right word, but it's, it's hurtful to us when someone says something unkind about our husbands, we feel the need to defend the mama bear kind of comes out, whether it's, you know, about our husbands. I mean, if it's about us, yeah, that hurts too. That's no fun, but it's generally more often about our men, and we don't like to hear that. I get, yeah, it's harder to let it go.
0: What encouragement would you have for pastor's wives that are entering into replanting? What What should they expect?
2: I think something I wish that somebody had told me at the very beginning is it's hard, and it's supposed to be. I think it was that two and a half, three-year mark when you first came home with a podcast, and it might have been you, Bob, talking about you know, what can you expect those first mm-hmm. couple of years and depression, anxiety, financial problems, physical ailments, mm-hmm. this whole long list, you yeah, know, know, uh everything, uh, everything like that, that could possibly happened, you know, like the, you know, side effects that you hear in yeah. the commercials mm-hmm. and and then this was the kicker. And then it gets really hard. And mm-hmm. that was such a blessing to me. I think I almost cried because I was like, We're yeah. normal because yeah. Um, Growing up as a pastor's daughter, I was used to seeing things from a pastor's kid point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, Being a youth pastor, kind of his wife, kind of like junior varsity. Nobody really takes you seriously. And then getting bumped up to the big leagues, uh, not just senior (laughs) pastor, but replanter's wife. It's hard just making that transition. And it feels like everybody else's ministry is succeeding And you are just seeing how the sausage is made at your particular church. Mm -hmm. Dealing with that revolving door of ministry of people coming in and coming out and just never feeling like you're enough for anybody.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: I think also just feeling like nobody
3: understands where other than other replant wives, like where you're coming from, even talking to other pastor wife friends who you can relate to on many levels. It's still a different animal completely. And so... It's hard to relate to some people sometimes. So friendship can be hard and you want to protect yourself and your family, but you also really crave and desire to be close to people and you need someone
2: to be close to that you can be totally vulner- vulnerable with. Well, somebody you can be vulnerable with and just emotionally vomit all of it. But at the end, like we are we talking today, mm-hmm. that's going to bring you back to the gospel and brought to mm-hmm. encouragement because you can sit with other pastor's wives who are just as angry and mad as you are. And then at the end, you're like, yeah, we should quit. Tell our husbands. <laughs> Forget <laughs> this. That's yeah, not what you important. need. You yeah, need that right. friend who's going to encourage you and say, oh, that is really tough, but keep right. going because Forget the Lord that. has big things.
1: We had a couple uh, in our metro area, and he he was a revitalization pastor and been there about mm-hmm. 20 years. And we were going through particular tough scrape, not only with the church, but with our kids, uh, in particular one of our kids. And we were just trying to make sense of it all. Mm-hmm. And I remember having... The relationship with him working with him in the association and so he was constantly able just to listen and provide perspective and Mm -hmm. bring it back to the gospel and also he was the kind of guy that always offered a counterpoint but he would do it in such a way not as a disagreeable thing but you know something you might consider is Mm -hmm. and and just a real nice soft delivery so Mm -hmm. we went out to eat with them uh, a a couple of times you just got to know them and I think one of the things that was very meaningful was that they cared enough just to go hey, let's get together, mm-hmm. right? right? And it wasn't a thing that we did often. We may do it a couple of times, but you just got a sense that they care about us and we could say, we could have said anything to them and they wouldn't have judged us, mm-hmm. but they also had been through some of the things that we were going through and they'd
3: survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have a particular answer for us, but that's not really, that wasn't the point. Yeah. They sat with us, they listened to us, they cared about us, they grieved with us, they prayed with us, and they just
2: related to us. That's what we needed. You needed somebody to make you feel normal at that point, just to normalize it.
0: Yeah, it's difficult because the challenges of replanting are unique and different than pastoring yeah. a, a larger church or, or doing youth ministry. And part of it, as Clifton likes to say, you, you feel like you're in the locker room of a losing team. Yeah, and it's and so it's hard. It's hard at times to find those things to celebrate and to feel good about. And then when everyone's telling you, when all the voices you hear are negative voices, mm-hmm. we give more credibility. and Yeah, more credence. We listen to We're, that most. Yeah, we we mm-hmm. listen most to, to mm-hmm. the negative things that people mm-hmm. say. Those are some of the things to expect. The challenges of friendship is one of the things you mentioned. Mm-hmm. What are some things that a replanter wife can do, some steps they can take to develop some healthy, good, beneficial friendships out there?
2: I think be proactive in finding. be the type of friend that you want to be or be the type of person that you need. For me, that's meant reaching out to other pastors' wives in our association. Mm-hmm. Um, our association is really great about creating culture and situations to where pastors' wives can connect, and that has been invaluable, mm-hmm. um, but also finding other pastors' wives on my own who... They have the look. You can always tell the look that like, oh, you're like a month away from your husband resigning. You're done. Oh, what yeah. So it's a look.
3: You don't want to know. You that. don't want to
2: know the look. Um, But for me, even like cross-denominationally, I have a very dear friend right now and they're going through a, re- a revitalization in their church to, to be faithful and to not give up and recommending resources and meeting for coffee, having play dates. Our kids mm-hmm. are friends. Um And then, reaching out and texting other people outside of our church who are Christian and who can encourage me and say, I'm really struggling right now. And I can be transparent as, as I can be with you, with my church mm-hmm. members, as I can be with you. And this is what's happened. And I need you to pray for me specifically on this and pray for my heart that I can process this the way that I need to and love well.
3: Yeah. And for me, I had, uh, especially early on in those first like three years of our replant, Um, I had a very dear friend who I met with at least weekly and I would go to her house and we would sit on her couch and we would talk about all the things. And, you know, like we mentioned, we were having a particularly dark and difficult time with one of our kids. And I mean, we just found ourselves, you know, face down on the floor a lot with a bunch of prayer partners, but she was a specific kind of balm to my soul and we would pray over our kids and our husbands and you know just all the messy things and she wasn't a pastor's wife but i would say that she was a person in ministry and had been involved in ministry um, in her life with her parents as well she didn't judge me and she didn't judge my family and she just loved us and prayed hard for us and um, that helped a lot and having that person outside of the church Mm -hmm. was really invaluable to me i think you can have those friendships inside the church sometimes I just think you have to be really wise to
2: get to that point. You know, yeah. it, it's. It also takes a very special church member who is extremely mature. I've been blessed yes. to have a few of those friendships within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're invaluable, but not very many. Not common. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I think also to um, making sure you're reading your husband's reading a lot. So make sure you are too. Yeah. Sacred Privilege by Kay Warren is a book I definitely mm-hmm. recommend. I um, she can't even play the piano is one that was really funny. It's by several different pastors wives.
1: That's the name of a book. That was the name of the book. She can't. Clarify even... that it's not Kay Warren. No. I
2: know that's what I thought no, 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 up, but you were saying. She wrote but
0: she can't even play the piano. No, she can't even play the
2: piano. <laughs> it's it's the name of a book. Nice. Um, it was hilarious, but actually good. Had, um, so that was a good one. One that I just actually finished. I was telling Barbara about it. I was like, it's been on my shelf for about three years, but leading and loving it. I, was leading and didn't love it. So I didn't read the book, <laughs> but it's great. And I couldn't put it down. So yeah. I was super excited. And one thing that really challenged me, it's uh, several things were underlined and highlighted and, and note, noted, but um, don't rest on the coattails of your husband's ministry mm. or your church's ministry. Mm. You need to be prayed up and you need to be ready to go to war and go to battle because mm. you don't know when that attack is going mm. to come. You don't know when that criticisms are going to come. You don't know when, 50 people are randomly going to decide to leave the church and you're going to, you're going to be, be strong enough in your faith to, to be, help your husband, whether yeah.
1: that's mind. some good points. So you mentioned two really difficult things about mm-hmm. being a pastor's wife and then also that occur in the replanting. So personal attacks and people leaving. So yes. talk, talk about how do you, those are going to happen. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you deal with a personal attack when it's happening? How do you get over it? And then I think we can segue to, okay, we're going to have people leave that you care about. What, what do you do then?
2: Well, Barbara and I were talking, my personal attacks are a little bit more humorous, I guess. I had that one lady who asked me how much older I must be than my husband, to which I was like, who are you again? And why do I love you? I For love the you, record, Lord. my wife
0: is six days younger than me. Exactly.
2: Yes. Yes. Not older. Not older. So I was very offended and held on to that still day. That was like three years ago. Barb, you had a story, I think. Yeah. So my
3: situation was not quite so humorous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> without going into too great of detail, uh, there were some serious, unspoken expectations that a particular person in our church had for me mm-hmm. that I clearly didn't fulfill. Relational. Relations. Relational expectations. And this was a person that was in our life, like in our home, and we were close with their family. And yeah, unbeknownst to me, I was dropping the ball on many things. You know, it was a whole sad situation, but it, it turned into a really painful verbal attack that was completely unexpected. You know, how did I deal with it? Well, at first, I crumbled on my husband's shoulder and cried. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I would have dealt with it. Um, yeah. Because it did feel like I shared with you, it felt like a violent physical attack. Quite frankly, I felt it physically Mm -hmm. and it was a long process to healing. And I would say I still struggle with every now and then something will trigger a memory. I might even see her sometimes and we're very friendly and, you know, she did come back and apologize and we had a good conversation, but it's still hard sometimes. And Satan likes to use that, you know, just to kind of get me sometimes. Right. A best way to deal with that kind of situation, in my opinion, obviously, is just you have to bathe it in prayer. You have to continually give it to God. You have to let go of it. You have to know people are going to have unspoken expectations
2: and you have to be okay with not fulfilling them because you're not going to be able to. It's always wild to mm-hmm. me how many people assume that they're, they're supposed to be best friends with the pastor's wife mm-hmm. um, and, and just feeling that pressure. And I've had that stated to me before, um, and it it's exhausting. And mm. then I finally had to come to the point to realize, like, there's only a certain amount of people that I relationally can give my time to, especially at different seasons. And it's okay, and should. right? Yeah. There's no way possible for me to have close personal relationships with every church member, especially as the church grows. And and I'm going to disappoint people, and that has to be okay. I think the other thing we were talking about, too, is like, how do you deal with that revolving door of ministry when people leave? Right. We you know, started out around 40 people, and then we ballooned up to about 200 within six months. And then we had what we refer to as the mass exodus, and we gotten down to about 60 to 80 people. Around that time, we had this couple over for dinner, and we were chatting it up, having a great time talking, and all of a sudden, you could just feel that, like, the temperatures drop in the room. And they got really serious. Oh, it's the worst. And they said, hey, we need to talk. And it's almost like mm-hmm. like a boyfriend and girlfriend kind of letting you down easy. And we're mm-hmm. like, yes. And they said, I think it's time for us to find another church. And we said, oh, okay, well, what church are you looking at? And they said, oh, we don't know. Can you help us find one?
3: That's just remarkable.
2: Wow. I know. Unbelievable. Because so at that moment, you know, it was a fun <laughs> night of us you know enjoying company just turned into a what is happening here they left that night we discussed different things but they left that night and i woke up the next morning and I, it was just still hanging over me and i i don't know what led me to do it but i sat and i wrote down this is our year 3 i think and i wrote down every name the name of every family that we had lost either by death or by moving or that angry outburst or as i call ghosting us mm-hmm. who just completely disappear mm-hmm. it was over 40 families and these weren't mm-hmm. people who would just kind of come and visit us these were people we'd had in our homes these were people yeah. who yeah. had lived life with us and it was just that's so the painful. hardest
1: cuz i think um part of being especially the early days of replant so a couple of thoughts one is year 3 is really hard mm-hmm. right for whatever reason i don't know all of the dynamics behind it but that The first the first years are hard and year three in particular, three, four and five were pretty tough. But because we want to invest in people, because we're trying to disciple them and get to them, we spend a lot of time with them and we're working shoulder to shoulder, side by side on the replant. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one day it it changes and it's gone. And it does feel like the middle school breakup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's like. You, I didn't see that coming.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I right? think because no,
3: even
1: the drop the uh, we can still be friends.
3: Yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah,
1: no, and you're like, no, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
3: I think the hardest part, like you are, you always know in your head because people tell you, like people told us when we got at the very beginning, your core people will leave you, and I mean that's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them will leave, and you're like, okay, we got it, and so you have your core, and you think, well, okay, they're going to leave us, but then some of them have. I mean, they've told you they, and they're in your house. Ha- like you said, they're in your house. You're in their house. They're with you for the long haul. They've said those words. They are with you for the long haul. They are in it. They believe it. They are with you hundred percent.
0: I almost feel like the more adamant they are on the front end, yes. the higher the percentage that they're just going to bounce. In right.
3: hindsight, yes, because yeah. we had one gal who we was in our core group who said to us, I'm coming and I'm committing one year to you. I don't know what's going to happen after that year, but I'm committing to one year and I just feel like I need to say that up front. So it's laid out and we're like, okay, yeah. well, guess what? She was with us longer than anyone. Yeah. And the people that said they were in it for the long haul, not that long. Yeah. And some of those people were our friends and that was the hard part. Yeah. It was just like, okay, now what do you do with this friendship? Because it changes it. You yeah. might want it to stay the same. They, most of them wanted to, as far as I know, <laughs> wanted it to stay. Um, but it's not the
2: same because you're not life on life anymore.
3: Yeah. And, well, and I think,
2: I think the underlying feeling that I identify is just this feeling of not feeling like you're enough.
3: Like I mm-hmm. literally,
2: you know, as a pastor's family, you give everything. This isn't just church for you. This mm-hmm. is your bread and butter. This is your your church, your spiritual life, your emotional life. You give everything. You leave it all out on the field. And for somebody to say, it's not personal, but I can't, like you just feel like, oh, I wasn't enough for you. And so I think mm-hmm. just trying to change that mindset for me of knowing that, okay, I, you're right. I'm not enough. I'm never going to be. God is. Mm-hmm. And they're not enough. That's not the
1: enough. truth. I, I think the the hard part for me as is, uh, is the replanter in that side of things is I feel like I'm the reason they're leaving the church most of the time is not my wife, right? Right. It's it's me, yep. something leadership-wise, a church. Yeah.
3: Or it's them.
1: The what's stated though Yeah, their stated reason it's it's my mm-hmm. my inadequacies as a leader. Yeah, but it impacts our our wife and but I think the other aspect is it impacts our kids. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so we had older kids at the time when we were doing the, the two our two daughters were there. Most of the, the Couples that kind of came to help us get started, helped us get started, but then they left and there was an impact not only to each of us, but to our mm-hmm. kids as well.
3: Yeah, and specifically our to process. our youngest one. Yeah. She's very, very relational. She loved these people. She loved their kids. And every time people left, it was this huge loss for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So truly going and starting this replant was a form of a loss because she lost the church we were at. She yeah. lost the relationship she had there to come to a new and good thing, but that was still a loss. And so then every time she would build relationships with people, they would leave. And it was a loss and it had nothing to do with her, but the impact for her was huge.
2: Yeah. It so. creates these feelings of abandonment on us. Mm-hmm. and so, And I think it's okay just to name that and process that, mm-hmm. but then try to find, okay, where's the glory and where's the joy mm-hmm. in the situation.
0: We have talked a lot about the difficulties and I wanted us to talk about that, but what are the joys, the unique joys of being a replanter wife?
3: Sometimes to remember what they are, you have to think back to how it was. Yeah. You have to think about those hard times to re- and then think about how it is now. Like I was sharing with the ladies earlier that today, like now in our church, it feels like we're getting, we're not totally there yet, but I feel like we're getting to a sweet spot people are there not because they knew us from anything before they're not there because, you know, they heard Bob speak somewhere and they liked his preaching. So they came, they they're there because, you know, they went to the website and they read about what we believe and they believe the same thing and they want a church in their community. And, you know, Mm -hmm. then they've come. So I love that because they're there because we're like-minded and they want to be on mission with us. So that's, you know, very different than all the people that came in the beginning. And so it's fun to be in that space. It's also a joy to see like demographically how our church has changed, you know, and we love the people that were there before, like when we first came and the people that are still there, love, love, love them, love the new people, love, you know, that we have Mm -hmm. people from in utero to 95, and everything in between. Right. Like we hit every generation. Some are a little heavier than others. Well, we don't have any high schoolers, but that's about it. And so that's, it a hap- few years. that's happening soon, just a few years. So, you know, that is, that's fun.
2: I think for me is celebrating the stories of, of people's hearts changing. People mm-hmm. who are now interacting with people that they would normally on the street avoid. Seeing, um, there was a, an adoption that took place. A lady in our church uh, was dying of cancer. And um, a lady from the neighborhood, who was a recovering alcoholic and crack addict. And she had this grandson that was about to fall through the cracks and go into foster care. And who knows what would have happened to him. Seeing a couple in our church that ended up adopting him Mm -hmm. and that would never have happened had our church not been in the healthy position that it was in. And so, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Um, That's also because the enemy had had such a stronghold in our neighborhood for such a long time. And pushing back the darkness is really hard, but mm-hmm. once you do some really beautiful things shine through, and so just seeing our people's hearts change, their minds change, their mm-hmm. focus, seeing people get discipled and, and grow, watching my husband grow. I didn't realize, I, going into this neighborhood and going into the church, I thought our family was moving to work on them and to help them. I had no idea the sanctification process that our family was going to go through. We are completely different people mm-hmm. today than we were six years ago. I think the Lord it was hard and it was horrible. <laughs> it was it was terrible and sometimes I'm not even going to like sugarcoat it. Spent many nights crying, but we are different, and we are stronger and we love the Lord more deeply and our family more fiercely. And I would even
0: say our ma- our marriage is significantly stronger. Oh
2: yeah. You want to um, find out what all
0: It got weaker.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, cuz
0: some things got revealed that needed to be worked on yeah. in our hearts. But because we did, we did that work yeah. and we worked on those things and we got help, we're way stronger.
2: Yeah. And that never would have happened had we not entered into a hard work like this. And mm-hmm. don't stop. That's what I would tell a pastor's family it's like, don't stop. Yeah. You don't know what the Lord is doing. Mm-hmm. And if you quit early, then you're just going to be. You know you're going to miss out on the payoff you're going to go through all this pain and have a whole bunch of emotional scarring and not get to see what the lord was trying to do the whole time
1: and you'll repeat those same lessons somewhere else yes Mm -hmm. because because the lord's committed to making us who he wants us to be yeah Yeah. and he gives us the environments that we're called into are perfectly suited to do that work in our lives i know for us one of the most
0: impactful things that helped us both get perspective and have conversations at home. Like Audrey said, was her reading and us learning together. It was actually going to a a North American Mission Board replant summit together and hearing that we are part of a people. We are not alone, we are not on an island. We felt like we were alone on an island, but we got to go to these replant things and go, oh, these are our people. (laughs) This (laughs) This is my tribe. This is my tribe, this is my people. North America Mission Board has done a great job. There's the Replanters Wives Facebook group, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you are a replanter wife, you can find that on Facebook and be a part of that. It's a closed group, private group, only if you are currently in a replant, Mm -hmm. and it's a safe place for you to... Absolutely. Ask questions, talk about things. I'm not in it. I don't know what they talk yeah. about. Yeah, in the ID, sorry,
3: you don't qualify, yeah. sir. <laughs> you <laughs> can't be part well. of our club.
1: You can't have a joint account. Like you have to have like your own. Right. Yeah, you, you have to have your right. own account. Yes. in order to do and that,
3: you, just, you have to request to be in it and then answer two questions. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks ladies for being with us. As always, you make everything better when you're around. It's been a prettier, more beautiful, better smelling, more
1: (laughs) replay boot camp podcast.
0: It's been good. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this, we'd love it. If you would share this with your friends, subscribe, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. We want to thank our podcast sponsor, 180 digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. They've just launched two awesome new products to help churches, church plants, replants. The first one is called Launchpad. It's an all-in-one custom branding and website bundle developed specifically for planters, replanters, and revitalizers who need to get things moving quickly. The second one is Church QuickSite. It was created for churches working with tight budgets and can help them get an amazing new church website in as little as one week at a really affordable price. Check out 180.church to learn more about these special new offerings and how 180 can help move your church forward.